Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you again to search and probe the Scriptures with us as we continue with our investigation of Jesus' famous and favorite topic, the Gospel about the Kingdom of God. We've been pointing out that resurrection in the Bible is the only way out of death into life. There's no so-called intermediate state by which a person can subsist in some disembodied form in heaven prior to the resurrection. The idea that every man has in him a divine spark of life which cannot die, an immortal soul, does not come from the Bible at all, but from the teaching of the Greek pagan philosophers, particularly Plato himself. Unfortunately, that idea that man has an immortal soul, a part of him which can go on living consciously after he dies, is quite foreign to our New Testament documents, in fact, quite foreign to the entirety of the Bible. According to the Bible and the Hebrew way of thinking, the whole man dies, and the whole man will be resurrected. In other words, when you're dead, you're really dead. Death is not a continuation of life in another region, in some super-celestial home or mansion in the sky. No, death means going to the area described as Hades or Sheol, Hades being the Greek word, Sheol, the Hebrew word, and this is an area not in heaven, but a vast subterranean area in which all the dead, both the good and the evil, rest in unconsciousness. The state of the dead is clearly described for us in many passages in the Hebrew Bible, but notably in Ecclesiastes 9, verse 5, where we read that the dead do not know anything at all. The living know that they're going to die, but the dead do not know anything, nor do they have any longer a reward because their memory is forgotten. And that state of the dead in death is amplified in verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, truly do it with all your might, for there is no activity or planning or wisdom in Sheol, or the grave, or Hades, where you are going. Now, that's a plain statement about what happens when we die. The Bible does not teach that we go to heaven or hell immediately upon death. It does teach, in Matthew 16:27 and many other passages, that Jesus is going to award punishments and rewards at his second coming. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, then he will reward every man according to his works. The Bible does not say that when the man dies, God will immediately reward him with punishments in hell or rewards in heaven. No, the text of Matthew 16:27 is entirely clear. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, that's to say at the second coming of Jesus, that's when rewards and punishments are first meted out. There's no intermediate state of consciousness in the Bible. How could there possibly be when Scripture says so plainly in Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10, there is no activity or planning or wisdom in Sheol, the grave, where you are going. And that applies to both good and evil. And so you may rest content to believe with the Bible that when we die, we are really dead. Death is described as a state of sleep. You remember that when Lazarus was raised from the dead by Jesus, Jesus clearly said that Lazarus was sleeping, you find that in John 11, verse 11, but that he was going to wake him out of the sleep of death. And Jesus then proceeded to resurrect Lazarus. 
That's a wonderful example of what happens when we die. Lazarus is a model for all those who died. He died and was unconscious and needed to be woken up and brought back not from heaven or hell, but from the grave where all the dead go to a state of unconsciousness and rest. Mercifully in God's plan, the dead are not now watching you, the living. They are not conscious in any way of what's going on in this world. They are simply out of it, resting peacefully from their labors and awaiting the great day of the resurrection, which in our previous program we were discussing in 1 Corinthians 15. It is abundantly clear there from Paul's writing that the dead are to be brought back to life only at the seventh trumpet. When that seventh trumpet blows, then the dead will be raised as a vast community, all of them together, at the coming of Christ. 1 Corinthians 15.23 says it with absolute clarity. Those who belong to Christ, the Christians, will be raised from death at his coming in the future. To introduce the idea of a conscious existence before the resurrection, as though one can have life and immortality before the resurrection, is to throw the whole scheme of the Bible into chaos. Once we disturb the simple resurrection plan revealed for us in Scripture, we make it difficult for us to read the Bible with clarity. Remember only that resurrection from the dead is the only gateway to life and immortality in the future kingdom of God on the earth. Now, if any of this sounds strange or unfamiliar to you, you might be interested to know that the famous reformer Martin Luther of the 16th century agreed with us on this point about the state of the dead. I'm going to share with you now an imagined interview, a recreated interview with the great Protestant reformer Martin Luther. Imagine that somebody asks him, Dr. Luther, I understood that church councils once labeled you a heretic on the grounds that you'd broken with certain church traditions. What are your reactions to this? Luther, unless I'm convicted by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of church councils because they have contradicted each other and my conscience is captive only to the Bible. I cannot and will not recant anything for to go against my conscience is neither right nor safe. The interviewer then says this, So then, the church councils instituted and endorsed certain doctrines not founded on Scripture, or that are contrary to Scripture. Is that right? And here are Luther's words. The church councils created an unbiblical doctrine by saying that the soul is immortal. And the interviewer replied, doesn't tradition tell us that at the point a righteous man dies, his soul goes immediately to heaven, where it enjoys a conscious and blessed condition with Christ, then later at the resurrection it goes back to reclaim its body? And here are Luther's words, It would take a foolish soul to desire its body when it was already in heaven. And those words of Luther, in every case in this imagined interview, are actual words found in the recorded writings of Martin Luther. Then the interviewer might say this, You do have a point there. Belief in the immortal soul does take the punch out of the resurrection. But if you believe that the soul is not immortal, and is thus not conscious either, then you must deduce that the soul is mortal, and that the nature of death 
is a state of insensibility. How would you explain this experience, Dr. Luther? And here is Luther's reply. For just as a man who falls asleep and sleeps soundly until morning does not know what has happened to him when he wakes up, so we shall suddenly rise on the last day, and we shall know neither what death has been like or how we have come through it. End of quotation from Martin Luther. Then the imagined interview would say, Your conviction that in death one knows nothing or remembers nothing appears to be in agreement with Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10 where it says, There is no work nor device nor knowledge nor wisdom in the grave where you're going. Luther's reply, Another proof that the dead are insensible. Solomon there thinks, therefore, that the dead are altogether asleep and think of nothing. They lie, not reckoning days or years, but when awakened, they will seem to themselves to have slept scarcely a moment. And the interviewer replies, So on the one hand, the church council's tradition teaches us to regard the saint's death as conscious bliss or conscious eternal torment for the wicked, but you, Martin Luther, emphasize death as an unconscious sleep. And here's another quotation from Martin Luther. We Christians who have been redeemed from all this through the precious blood of God's Son should train and accustom ourselves in faith to despise death and regard it as a deep, strong, sweet sleep, to consider the coffin as nothing other than a soft couch of ease or rest. Because Jesus testifies like this in John 11:11. Lazarus, our friend, has fallen asleep. He's sleeping. And in Matthew 9.24, the maiden is not dead. She's sleeping. We should learn, says Luther, to view our death in the right light so that we need not become alarmed on account of it as unbelief does. Because a fine, sweet, and brief sleep which brings us relief from this veil of tears, from sin and from fear and extremity of real death, and from all misfortunes of this life, and we shall be secure without care, and we shall rest sweetly and gently for a brief moment as on a sofa until the time when the Lord Jesus will call and awaken us together with all his dear children to his eternal glory and joy. And the interviewer then says, I've noticed that you've repeatedly referred to the sleep of the righteous as being sweet. What makes their sleep in death particularly sweet? And Luther's reply comes in these words. Scripture everywhere affords such consolation, which speaks of the death of the saints as if they fell asleep and were gathered to their loved ones, that is, that they had overcome death through their faith and comfort in Christ, and awaiting the resurrection together with the saints who preceded them in death they sleep until the moment they're awoken. So all of the fathers who lived before the birth of Christ have gone to Abraham's bosom. That is, they died firmly believing this word, and they're sleeping in that bosom of Abraham until the last day. For since we call it a sleep, we know that we shall not remain in it, but be awakened and live. And that the time during which we sleep shall seem no longer than if we'd just fallen asleep. Hence we shall censure ourselves that we were surprised or alarmed at such a sleep in the hour of death, 
and suddenly come alive out of the grave and from decomposition and entirely well, fresh with a pure, clear, glorified life, we shall meet our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then the interviewer says this, From this I gather, Martin Luther, that only the righteous, those who believe in Christ, will receive eternal life or immortality as a gift from God at the resurrection. Luther said this, God will raise me and all the dead and grant eternal life to me and to all who believe in Christ. And the author says this, This blessed hope must be a great comfort to you personally. Luther's reply was as follows, We are to sleep until he comes and knocks on the grave and says, Dr. Martin, get up. Then I will arise in a moment and will be eternally happy with him. Then the interviewer asked, Just how long will death seem to us from the time one dies to the day of resurrection? Luther's reply, Just as soon as your eyes are closed, you will be awakened. A thousand years will seem as though you have slept a half an hour. As we do not know how long we are sleeping, if we do not hear the clock striking during the night, so in death a thousand years will pass away still more rapidly. Before we shall be able to look around, we shall be as beautiful as the angels in the resurrection. End of imagined interview. And all of those statements were actual quotations from the works of Martin Luther, the celebrated Protestant reformer. He too subscribed to the idea that the dead are sleeping until the resurrection into the kingdom of God in the future. Join us again for our continued discussion of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.